Good morning, Spanish River. How are you this morning? It's so good to be here with you today. We're going to be looking at Psalm 118. If you've got a Bible, feel free to go ahead and get there. If you have a phone, you can get there as well. I'll be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible version, CSB. Uh, We are planting in Hollywood, Florida. We're about to have our sixth anniversary, seventh anniversary. I can't remember anymore. Uh, It's been a while, but um, we're so thankful for you. Uh, We're not only a partner of Spanish River, I'm also a a son of Spanish River. I grew up in this church in the 80s and 90s, and my parents and I were here last night preaching, I was preaching at the Saturday evening service, and my dad and I were reminiscing about that time, and my dad just said, you know, I just have such great memories of being part of Spanish River, and it was just such a sweet fellowship. And I remember it that way, I remember it that way, what a great church to grow up in. Although I was not very sweet uh, during the time, I had the, the distinct honor of showing several people that they were not called to fifth grade boys Sunday school ministry um, until Joe and Jackie Adama stepped in and, um, and they whipped us into shape. And so uh, if you're serving in children's ministry, maybe what you're doing now is impacting future generations. But we're so glad to be here today, uh, especially when it feels like we're surrounded by some good news. Pastor David's doing better. Mike Veets, a great friend of mine, is, is coming on staff. And when you're surrounded by good news, it's easy to give thanks. But the truth is, even as we say that there's good news that we're surrounded by, there's also some hard things that are happening. Uh, Pastor Ron is still in the hospital. Tim Torres, another friend of mine, is leaving. Those things are hard. It's hard to give thanks when you're engaging with trials and challenges. It's hard to give thanks, it's hard to be thankful when problems are pressing in. Is it just me or do you feel that as well? It's hard to give thanks when problems are pressing in. It reminds me of this 2015 interview with the running back Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch was a running back for the Seattle Seahawks and he didn't really like to talk to the press after the games. But the press liked to talk to him and kind of egg him on and he said, you know, I don't want to talk to the press. And the NFL said, you have to talk to the press or we'll fine you. And so he got interviewed by the press and you get this sense that like the press are like these problems pressing in on Marshawn and he kind of grits this phrase through his teeth as they interview him. Here's the video from that 2015 interview. Y'all wanna try again, huh? So y'all gonna try again? That's what we gonna do. We gonna try one more time. One more time. One more try. One more try. That's we got one more try. I mean, y'all can try all y'all want, but that's what we got. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I just thank you. Talk about your performance in the second half, the big run. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. When's your next charity event? I'm thankful. What was the song of the day on the way to the game, Marshawn? I'm thankful. Thank you. The words came out of his mouth, but I do not think Marshawn was really thankful. And when problems are pressing in, whether it's the press or whether it's money, money problems, marriage problems, kid problems, 
relationship problems, when those problems are pressing in and surrounding you, it's hard to say, I'm thankful. Uh, Maybe you grit through it, but it's actually harder to be thankful. You know, as the people of God, we wanna be a people that's grateful and thankful. We want that to be something that resonates in our heart, not just something that we say like Marshawn did. I mean, one of the reasons that we teach our children to say thanks is not just to be polite, but we actually want to teach them to have thankfulness in their hearts. So how, how do we do that as the people of God? How do, we, how do we be thankful so that when we say I'm thankful, it actually comes from someplace real? Well, in our text this morning, the psalmist gives us some hacks, some hot tips on how to have a thankful heart in the midst of problems. Uh, I'm gonna read Psalm 118, but Psalm 118 was meant to be a call and response. And so I'm gonna read some of the verses that are unbolded, then could you join me in reading the verses that are bolded? We'll put up verses one through four first. One through four says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for Let Israel say, let the house of Aaron say, let those who fear the Lord say. Now we'll go to the very end, verse 28. If you can go one more forward. You are my God and I will give you thanks. And then the last verse of the chapter, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. One of the things that we see in this psalm is that the psalmist starts by giving thanks not for his circumstances first, but rather first for the character of his God. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Now we use the word good a lot. Uh, When I come home from work and I ask my kids, how was your day? They go good and it doesn't really mean anything, right? Uh, But here it means something. That God is good. He oozes goodness and everything he touches is good. Earlier we sang in the song that all of our lives God has been so, so good. And that's true, but it's not expansive enough. God has not only been so, so good for all of our lives, he has been so, so good for all of time. If we go back to the very beginning of the Bible, when God creates the heavens and the earth, Everything he creates is good because he's good. He creates the fish and the land and the sky and the sea and he says it's good. He creates the clouds and the animals and it's good and then he creates man and woman and it's very good because God is good and he's always been good and he always will be good. Give thanks to the Lord for God is good. And verse 1b says his faithful love endures forever. His faithful love, that's a rich theological term. It's not a love that's a feeling. It's a love that's a commitment, a a love that's full of promises. It, It is an affection, but it's an affection that God commits to give to his people. He sets his affection on his people and he does not remove it. His faithful love endures forever. And what's amazing about that love is it's the same kind of love that he has for his beloved son, Jesus Christ. In John 17, right before Jesus goes to the cross, he he prays this prayer. 
and he prays for his disciples that are living now, but then he prays for believers that will come, which is you and me. And in that part of the prayer, he says that the world may know that you, Father, have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. In other words, that God loves us with the same kind of love that he loves his son which is amazing to think about it because we think about Jesus deserves the love of God. He was the perfect son. He was the righteous one. He was the obedient one. But you and I fall drastically short of that. And yet Jesus says that God loves us, those who are in Jesus Christ, with the same kind of love that he loves his son. That's amazing. And when you begin to get that, thankfulness comes into your heart even in the midst of problems. Brennan Manning says this, when somebody is aware of that love, the same love that the Father has for Jesus, that person is just spontaneously grateful. Cries of thankfulness become the dominant characteristic of the interior life. God's faithful love endures forever, and that means it endures through your problems. Just because you're going through something hard doesn't mean that God has stopped loving you. His love endures through hardships and trials and challenges because his character does not change even though your circumstances might. God is good in your problems. His love endures through your problems and that means that he is for you even in the midst of your problems. Sometimes when we go through problems, it feels like God is against us. I often hear that. I hear people say, God must be punishing me for something. But here the psalmist writes in verse six, he says, the Lord is for me, I will not be afraid. I find it interesting there in verse six that he doesn't say God is for me. He says the Lord. Now the word the Lord is a representation of God's special name. And if you come from a Jewish background, you know that that name is sacred. It's the name Yahweh. It's the name that God gave to Moses at the burning bush. And, and in that name, is, it means that the God who always was and always will be. It's the God who makes promises and keeps promises to his people. It's the God who is utterly committed. And, and so when the psalmist says, the Lord is for me, He's not talking about some ambiguous God. He's talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who sent Jesus, the God who promises to crush the head of the serpent, the the God who promised to fill us with his spirit, the God who will return and make all things new. That God is for us because that God is the Lord. You know, a lot of people say the universe is working things for you. I hear that a lot. Um, but there's no record of the universe telling anyone that the universe is for us. How do we know that? Here in the Bible, we have record of God, the God of the universe, Yahweh, the Lord, saying he is for his people. A good God, a loving God is for us even in the midst of our problems. So the psalmist goes on to say, what can a mere mortal do to me? Which I find kind of puzzling if I'm honest because most of the time, people are our problems, right? Anybody got people problems? People fire us from their, our job. People steal from us. Uh, people cause us all sorts of problems. And at times, people may even take our life. 
So when he says, what can a mere mortal do to me? A lot. Most of our problems are people. And yet even in the most significant people problems that we can have, God is still for his people. Now, that doesn't mean we, don't, we haven't done anything wrong. Oftentimes in the church, we have conflict and we think that God's on our side and not on the other side. It doesn't always work like that. But even if you have people problems that ruin your life or take your life, God is still good. God is still loving. God is still for you. In Matthew 10, Jesus says this, don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We're like, whoa, Jesus, take it down a notch. But then he says this, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth far more than many sparrows. You know, to us living in this year in America, it seems inconceivable to us that God could be for us and at the same time we could lose our life because of people problems. But that's what Jesus says. As followers of Jesus, we are not promised an easy, comfortable life when we follow him. We are promised hard things. But even in the midst of that, the Lord is always our helper. In verse nine of Psalm 118, the psalmist says, the Lord is my helper. Therefore, I will look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humanity. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in nobles. Now, we're not sure who wrote Psalm 118. Some people think it's Nehemiah who's returning to Jerusalem and he's trying to rebuild the wall and he's having to look over his back for enemies that are coming to destroy the people of God as he rebuilds the wall. Some of people think it's just another king of Israel who's worried about the enemies of Israel coming to attack Israel. But, but either way, these people have people problems. But in the midst of that, they trust that the Lord will be their helper and God delivers this person. God delivers them from their problem. In verse 10 and 13, he says, all the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I destroyed them. They pushed me hard to make me fall, but the Lord helped me. Now, maybe the idea of destroying our, our, their enemies goes against our modern sensibilities, but he didn't have any choice. These people were trying to kill him. And yet even in that, the Lord helped him. And the Lord will help you too, whatever your problems are. When you come to him and you submit to him and you pray to him and you trust him, he will help you. If you're having marriage problems, God will help you. If you're having problems with addiction, God will help you. If you're having problems about with the story and your past or the shame that you feel, God wants to meet you in that and help you. And, and even with Pastor David, God helped him, amen? Pastor David got to come home from the hospital and he's, he's not all there, but he's getting better. And praise God for the doctors, but praise God for God. You prayed and God acted and God helped Pastor David. Amen. God hears his people and helps them in the midst of their problems. And so as we say, as we grow in thankfulness for God, we tell him, thank you. I'm thankful for God, so I give thanks to God when he delivers me 
from my problems. In verse 14, the psalmist says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. In other words, he's not just saying, hey, things just worked out for me. No, it was God who did this for me. God is my strength. God is my song. He is my delight. He's the one who saved me. He he uses the language that was used by Moses when Israel was saved from Egypt after they crossed the Red Sea. He uses that exact same language to say that God has now saved me in this problem and he is now my strength and he is my delight. I'm thankful, so I give thanks for the God who delivered me. But I also give thanks for this God who had purpose in my problems. Verse 18, he says that the Lord disciplined me severely, but did not give me over to death. That's hard to hear, because I thought we just talked about God being a God of love. Uh, But God promises that because of his love, he often trains us through hard things. He often trains us through problems. See, if you're a Christian today, your problems that you're facing right now, the problems that are right now in your life, God is using those to train you and make you more like Jesus. Now, I didn't say it's fun. I didn't say you wanna do it, but I'm saying that your problems are not pointless. One of the reasons I think people should become a Christian, and there's a lot of reasons to become a Christian, but one of the reasons is that when you're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, your problems are not pointless. God is always using the hard and challenging things in your life to make you more like his son. And whatever problem you're going through, that is true right now. When we started planning the church in Hollywood in 2014, it was so hard. There were so many problems. I called Ron and I'm like, Ron, I don't think I can do this anymore. And he's like, you're fine, just keep going. Um, but we, we had a, like a, a change of job that did not go smoothly. My wife had some medical stuff going on and had some chronic pain and that was really hard on us and our marriage. And, and it was just kind of the, the most challenging season that I have ever been through. But as I look back on it, God planted the church, I guess through me, but I kind of think like more in spite of me, um, and he changed me. Like he used that challenging season to rid me of my idols and to expose my sin and weakness and to give me a greater love for his son and to make me more like Jesus. And if you were to ask me, oh, I guess you wanna go through that again, I'd say, no way. There's no way I wanna go through that again. And yet at the same time, it wasn't pointless. I can look back on God's purpose in the midst of all those problems and say, thank you, thank you. But that doesn't mean I wanna do it again, but thank you. Thank you for what you did in the midst of my problems. You have a purpose. Pastor David even posted something on Facebook last night just to give you an all an update of what he's doing. And in that, he said that through trials and hardships and problems, God trains us for closer communion with him and conformity to God himself. Every problem you have is an opportunity to know God better and become more like him. And and that should really help us because once problems are over, we want to naturally kind of move past God 
and on with our life. But that's not what the psalmist does. What the psalmist does is he starts talking about moving towards the temple. In verse 19, he says, open the gates of righteousness for me. I will enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Now he's talking about going to the place in Israel where God dwelled, the temple. In other words, he's not moving past God now that God has delivered him from his problems. He's moving closer towards God. What would it look like for you once God delivers you from your problems, not to move past him and get on with your life, but rather to move closer towards him? Maybe it's a day of thanks. Maybe it's telling other people at work what God has done for you in the midst of problems. Maybe it's offering a special donation to a charity out there and saying, I wanna praise God because of what he's done in my life. Maybe it's telling someone else or telling your family and letting God use that as an opportunity for you to talk about Jesus. We don't move past God when he delivers us from our problems. It should draw us closer to him because ultimately in our problems, God wants us to see his son, Jesus Christ. This Psalm, Psalm 118, was part of a section of the Psalms called the Egyptian Hallel. And that's a fancy word for just saying that it was sung at Passover, which means that this song was sung by Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper on the night that he was betrayed. And it's strange to think about, think about the, the lyrics of this Psalm because in verse 17, Jesus says, I will not die. Jesus would have sung, I will not die, but I will live, knowing that he was living, but about to die on the cross. In verse 18, Jesus would have sung, the Lord did not give me over to death, knowing that his father was about to give him over to death. In verse 14, the Lord has become my salvation. Jesus would have sang that knowing that he was about to suffer for your and my salvation. And in verse 27, he would have sang about the sacrifice on the altar, knowing that he would be the final sacrifice for sin given on the cross. It's amazing that Jesus, surrounded by problems, surrounded by disciples who were about to betray and abandon him, surrounded by the knowledge that he was about to enter in the worst suffering, that he was going to be betrayed and put on the cross after he was on trial. It's amazing that Jesus, surrounded by those problems, gave thanks to God and then died for you and me. If you're in the midst of your problems, one of the things that will give you the most perspective is that Jesus moved towards very difficult things for you. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived, but he died the death that we deserve to die on the cross. He went to the cross, he took God's wrath on himself for our sin, so that when we repent and we believe, we can say, thank you God, I am fully and finally and totally forgiven. Not because I'm good, but because Jesus died for me. And therefore, we can sing with great thanks for what Jesus has done. The last two verses of the Psalm, verse 28 and 29, if you can put that up for, for them, I want you to say this with me. You are my God and I will give you thanks. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. 
we say that to Jesus, who is our God. We give thanks to Jesus for dying for our sins. We say, Jesus is good and we love you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you went through on our behalf. We confess that we're often fussy in the midst of problems. We need perspective. We need to remember the character of our Father. We need to remember what you've done for us. And we thank you that even when you face problems that you underwent for us, you gave thanks to God. Lord, we pray for those who are wrestling on their spiritual journey this morning that you might reveal yourself to them. That if someone is here today and they say, I want to know Jesus, I need help. I know I'm a sinner. Lord, prompt them to move forward in relationship with you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. And all God's people said, amen.